This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Off hour two, Sportsnet today. Here from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios, along with the outstanding production team: Cam, Taylor, an intern whose name we're still learning. We'll see how he does if we want to actually introduce him on the show. Cam, should we introduce him on the show, or should we just wait a bit? These things take time, but I think he's ready. You think so? Yeah. I'm doing some good work back there. I don't know, though. We'll see. Maybe wait a day or two? Yeah, I just want to make sure. Don't want to rush into it, get everyone excited. Oh, there's a new curve. New, yeah. Don't want to scare him off? No. We'll see. Colton doing great work for us over there, even though he is from safe. We won't hold that against him. Brutal. Uh, Flames and Blackhawks tonight from the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Flames coverage starts at 6 o'clock with Steinberg and Labardius on Flames warm-up. 7 o'clock puck drop with Wills and Labardius right here on your home of the Flames. Sportsnet 9, 60 the fan, and big news ahead of this one for the Calgary Flames. Chris Tanev, a game-time decision per head coach Daryl Sutter. It will be up to Chris if he goes tonight. Couple different scenarios you could see here. Expect him on a pairing with Noah Hannafin again. That's where he skated this morning. But uh, as our pal Wes Gilbertson from Post Media pointed out, could be one of those situations where the Flames decide to roll 11 forwards and seven defensemen. Just in case Chris can't take the normal amount of minutes coming back from an injury, you have an extra defenseman there to uh, help take some of those minutes away from him. And uh, just in case. You know, something gets tweaked, it doesn't last the entire game. You're uh, still set with six defensemen in a big game against the Chicago Blackhawks. So that is huge news for the Calgary Flames. And the other story that we've been tracking, uh, Jacob Markstrom will get the start in goal for the Calgary Flames and is expected to go tomorrow in Winnipeg as well. It's a big development. It's one we talked about yesterday. Um, It's not how I would have approached things, but I'm not the head coach. I'm not the goaltending department here for the Calgary Flames. Uh, And as you'll hear from head coach Daryl Sutter uh, in just moments in his media availability here on game day, uh, it's game seven mentality for this group. And you go with uh, the team that gives you the best chance to win, the players that give you the best chance to win. Jacob Markstrom is your number one goaltender. There is no doubting that here in Calgary. So he will get the start, and uh, last time out, he was successful. He played a a decent game in Dallas and then followed it up with probably his best performance of the season and a shutout win over the Minnesota Wild. So there is precedence for this working for the Calgary Flames. I wonder, just given the opponent tonight, the Chicago Blackhawks, who have lost eight in a row, if you don't take this opportunity to go to Dan Vladar and give Jacob a little bit of extra rest, but... Maybe it worked out well for the Flames in the sense that uh, Jacob didn't have to go the full 60 or wasn't asked to go the full 60 against Anaheim. 
and was able to get a little bit of extra rest mixed in there. This maybe have has always been the plan for the Calgary Flames that given the fact that the points are so valuable right now, you cannot exit tonight's game without two points. That is the the bare minimum tonight is a, is a victory over the Chicago Blackhawks. I don't care if it's regulation, overtime, shootout, whatever it is, you need two points tonight against Chicago. So that's the mentality for the Calgary Flames. Let's hear from a couple of them uh, following morning skates, starting with the head coach, Daryl Sutter. He uh, gives you an update on Chris Tanev, the decision to go to Jacob Markstrom, and more on a game day against the Chicago Blackhawks. How's Chris Tanev feeling? Kenny is, uh, he'll be game time, but he's come a long ways, right? You know, for not skating, for going through a lot of testing and things like that. So it's basically kind of his call now. What goes into choosing your starting goalie on the first half of a back-to-back here? Has that thought process worked for you? It's like the last game of the year for us. Way different than anything else, right? And uh, Mark, he's been really, really good for us for quite a while now. So he's earned that right for sure. And I guess fatigue, does that, like, do you try and manage energy or how does that work for a coach trying to figure out that? With what? With, like, playing a guy on back-to-backs, does fatigue become a Do your homework. You'll see the last time he played back-to-backs, what he, <laughs> what he did <laughs> with travel. So you got to put all that into it, right? It's, you know what? If it's game seven, you want your, your ace. Can you speak to how proud you are of this team, showing the resilience it has and, and, and making it, putting up the good fight right to the end? It's hard in Canada to do that, but right, Eric? Right? So you got to win tonight, because if you don't win tonight, then, then it's the other way tomorrow, right? But it's hard in Canada to do that, because every day it's, there's no isolation for them, right? There's several markets, that, most markets, you know what? Three weeks ago, it was over, and and they've heard it and seen it, and so the only way you do it is stick together, right? And you have to just manifest that sort of trust in each other, and, and then go from there. Errol, with back-to-back come from behind wins and four straight wins, does it feel do you like there's a different energy with the team, or are they been pretty no, consistent? No, no, I think that. And I'm firm in that, right? I don't think that that's changed at all. I mean, that's you've asked that question a lot this year. That hasn't changed. It's not about confidence or any of that stuff. It's about just getting the job done. And and you know, we know it's we're we know why we're behind the eight ball. So that's not like a mystery to us. So now it's it's just just trying to get the job done. I just want to circle back to your answer to Eric because it strikes me like that it's not something you can necessarily impact as a coach is how they're going to react to all that outside noise. So what's made this group one that it's sort of just brought them closer together? Well, I, I think what what's really important in it all is because is when it's all said and done, you're, everything is on expectations, right? So maybe those expectations weren't very good ones. It's not that easy. I've said it before, and everybody should listen about this division. you you got to play 600 hockey. There's four of them that are doing it right now, if you look at it. I said it, and you guys are all said it over and over and over. It's a tough, it's the only division that's got four teams playing 600 hockey. So it's not, everybody thinks playoffs are a given. Well, 
it's not a given, that's for sure. There's half the teams make it, and there'll be, what, this year, five or six that, that you'd think, I mean, there's five or six different teams going to make it this year, and that's going to happen every year. So the only way you can become a champion, the only way ever you do it, is do it, make the playoffs over and over. The only way you can train yourself to be a playoff player is to play playoff games. So that's what's got to happen. Very, very clear. So is it easy? Nope, it's not easy. And back to Eric's question, well, that's how you toughen up, right? You find out we've been having to play playoffs for you take out whatever it is that first six or seven weeks of the season. Well, we've played 650 hockey, even though everybody said it's been like that. Well, if you look at it, really, it really hasn't. You take out that below 500 start, whatever it is, then then you'll see that hey, you've played you've played over 600, but it just tells you the consistency of it all. I, I know you haven't had many practice days, but it's been I think a week since. Yeah. It's been a week since Coronado got here. How valuable has just being around? Yeah, I enjoy having them kids here. Yeah. Right off the top, right? Those kids give you different type of energy, and it's it's got it's it's strictly situation for those guys, right? That's why they're that's why they're not playing. Why one of them, and, and then you have to do it by position. So, you know, like Maddie's a right right winger only. So okay, then so where's that slot? And and Pelts the left winger only. Where's that slot? And you know, so that's how you got to look at. You can't look at them as a group. You just look at them as individuals. And so understanding, you know, a week and a half ago he was on campus at Harvard. What is the value of him being around this? Whether he's playing or men, not. Man, he's seeing it every day, right? It's awesome for him, I think. The Blackhawks team that you were competing with so hard back in the early 2010s, yeah. but uh, they've won the first two games of the season series. What yeah. challenges do they present? They're fa- the, the two biggest things we've had trouble with Chicago with is, is their pace, right? and that could be ours. Not there, but theirs was there. That's the dif- difference in the two games. Jonathan Taves' future is a little bit uncertain. Just what what memories do you have of competing against him over uh, his career? Uh, I think it goes way back back to seeing him World Juniors, uh, that sort of thing, and then um, and then obviously the there's three teams that were doing most of the damage out west here. Chicago being one of them. I mean, but we we played each other. Uh, conference finals. I mean, we knew we knew to win the cup, we were going to have to go through Chicago, right? So we did it against each other, and you know, you get a lot of respect for when they beat you and when you beat them. That's the bottom line. That's a, that's his career has been. That's the perfect captain when you look at it. Daryl, prior to Chris going down, how are you liking uh, Mackenzie and Rasmus on a pairing together? You know, when we were trying to. Turned the corner there again. Um, it was something we really wanted to look at. It wasn't so much. Uh, I wanted. I wanted to get Tanny with Noah. You know because they'd. Uh, you know they'd been they'd played together in years past. Not so much last year, but they. So we were just trying to get. Uh, you know the top four settled in in the right way. So. Uh, how did we like it? I mean, I, I like it. I like those four together. Like. If they're healthy and can give you even strength minutes. What have you thought of Troy Stetcher's play and how he's adjusted to playing uh, your style? You know, we've 
uh, you know, we got Troy when Stoney was banged up there and we needed him big time. I think he's given us some energy. He's a real popular guy with the team, and I think it's evident in his play. Head coach Daryl Sutter handling media duties following morning skate at the Coast Scotiabank Saddle Dome. His Flames taking on the Chicago Blackhawks tonight from the Dome in a must-win or at least must-pick-up-two-point scenario for the Calgary Flames, who have won four in a row, taking on a Blackhawks team that is really trying to do their best uh, to get the best odds of drafting Connor Bedard. They have lost eight in a row. A loss tonight for Chicago would tie their third longest losing streak in franchise history. Flames looking to uh, add a big piece to their back end tonight. That's Chris Tanev. You heard from the head coach there. Uh, Tanev feeling good, was back with the main group today and is a game-time decision. That decision will belong to Chris Tanev. So I feel like it's a good chance you'll see number eight back in the lineup for the Calgary Flames. He also handled media duties today following morning skate, talking about his potential return to the lineup. You've gone through this before, uh, just the idea of having a soldier through an injury and, and obviously uh, play with a little pain, but how difficult has the last stretch been for you? Yes, obviously sucks watching, but it's, uh, it's great great watching us win. It's uh, Obviously, you'd like to be out there, but I mean, it's the next best, next best thing is that we're winning games. Uh, got a couple heart attacks watching a few of them, but um, it's uh, guys have been doing great. I mean, we're working their butts off and, and uh, doing everything that it takes to, to win uh, these games. Obviously, it's, uh, everyone knows how important they are. Uh, yeah, you may have just nailed it there, but just the idea of how difficult it is to watch, you get a sense of maybe how the fan base is feeling on a nightly basis when you go through that type of roller coaster. Yeah, uh, I think it's, uh, it's a tougher to watch than, than play, and I think when you get uh, all the momentum changes and lead changes that have that have happened in the last few games it's uh definitely a, a roller coaster to watch but it's been incredible to see how how much perseverance how much resilience um the guys have showed and um just continuing to work and, and stick with the process no matter what happens on on any given play on any given shift when you have that bird's eye view uh, and you get a sense of, of what it looks like from afar what can you see in, in terms of momentum in this room? You're kind of looking at it from your vantage point. Yeah, I think everyone's uh, we're in a good place. Everyone's everyone's pushing each other um, and, and having fun at the at the same time. So it's a obviously it's a balance that that needs to happen where you you, you push each other and, and you still gotta enjoy being around each other and um, that's I think that's what everyone's doing is sort of just. It's that, that final push, that um, enjoyment of, of competing out there is, is, is what's happening right now. What's uh, purely on the ice, what have you noticed differently the team is doing the past a little bit that maybe you weren't doing the rest of the season there? Yeah, I think just timely goals, um, handling momentum sort of better. I mean, obviously going down 4-3 both the last games into the third and then coming back uh, two, two huge wins. So, I mean, just not really caring what happens I mean it happens put it behind us and uh, moving forward with with our best effort and I think that's what's happened Chris it hasn't been too long but do you get the sense from watching like has the intensity and the pace changed since you know in the last couple of weeks yeah I think we've we've always played hard I think all year we've, we've played hard but I think um, definitely we got to keep the pace that, that we're playing at for 
the majority of the, the last games for sure and I think that sort of defines who we are when we when we can play fast when we play with the puck when we forecheck those are all our the things that we do well and sort of um, that needs to just continue to happen. Is it anything different with this group or is it just getting the, the results or, or has anything actually changed? I don't know if anything's act actually changed. I mean, when you, you start to win, everyone attitudes change. Um, how you treat each other maybe changes. But, I mean, I think it's just everyone's bought into to what's going on. And I think it's just a continuous work ethic. Sorry, no teeth. <laughs> but, um, uh, and, and resilience, I think, would be compete, resiliency, and um, just working for, for the guy next to you. Do you, do you feel like the hockey on a personal level, how difficult have the stops and starts been for you this year? Yeah, I mean, it sucks uh, coming in and out. Uh, I think it's my fourth time now doing it. So, I mean, <clears throat> obviously I'd like to, to play in every game and it uh, hasn't happened um, this year. So, I mean, it's it sucks watching hockey games for sure. But um glad to be out there with, with the guys today and, and feel pretty good. Do you, do you feel like the hockey guards are starting to reward this group a little bit after a season where you hit so many posts? I don't know. I think it's just... Uh, Put your head down. Put on. Put on the work boots and and, and get at it. I don't know. I don't think we're looking uh, too much into into that stuff. Chris Tanev, Flames defenseman, could be making his return to the lineup tonight. Skated on a pairing with Noah Hannafin with the main group today. Head coach Daryl Sutter claiming he's a game time decision, but the decision will belong to Chris Tanev if he is good to go tonight. So. Uh, expecting number eight to return to the lineup, that would be a massive addition to the Flames' blue line as they look to pick up two points tonight against Chicago. Two more players to hear from on a Flames game day, starting with veteran forward Nazem Kadri ahead of this big matchup against Chicago. Obviously, two massive games coming up here when Winnipeg tomorrow, but how do you focus on Chicago and what do you have to do tonight to play Nazem? Uh, yeah, I mean, focus on the start. Obviously, we want to come out of the gates a little bit better and, uh, you know, hopefully play play with a lead, so... Of course, uh, you know, not having this one doesn't mean, uh, you know, doesn't really mean much tomorrow night. So, uh, ideally, you'd like to have both and uh, start with the first period. What's the stress level like in a chase like this? Uh, I don't think you really have enough time to worry about stuff like that, really. I mean, it's obviously intense and uh, you know, everybody knows the situation. But, uh, you know, for us, I think we got to play calm and composed. And, uh, of course, it's uh, stressful and um, understand it's kind of do or die at this point. But... You know, I think we've kind of been on that trend all year, so it's it's no different. Is there some solace that, to a degree, you kind of control your own fate at this point? Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. I think we've uh, worked ourselves back into the conversation. So, um, you know, that's great news for us. But, you know, uh, of course, all the games, uh, you know, that we just played don't mean much if you don't continue to win. So that's uh, we're, we're stressing that big time. Has the team's attitude or approach maybe evolved in the past few weeks compared to the, the previous little stretch of the season? Um, I don't think so. I mean, for whatever reason, um, you know, we've probably uh, given up uh, some games that we should have had. But um, at the end of the day, yeah, we're, we're in no position to take anybody lightly. We uh, have to come prepared, and that's exactly what we're going to do. What type of growth have you seen in your in, in your team over these last two games? You know the 8-2 setback went the way it did against LA, mm-hmm. but you guys have won since. What growth have you seen in those last few games in your team? Yeah, just just a no quit attitude. I think uh, you know everyone tries to bounce back after uh, you know obviously uh, you know a tough game in LA there, and 
that's happened obviously you know a few more times than we, we'd want this year but at the end of the day you gotta credit our fight and uh you know our grit and determination we feel like uh you know we're never out of it and all of a sudden, we're, we're back in the mix. Did the group get together after that L.A. game? It seemed like that's been a turning point. Like, did you guys have sort of a, a team meeting or anything after uh, that loss there? Or? Uh, I mean, no, not, not nothing specific. We always communicate with each other and obviously keep it in, in-house. But uh, we understand we want to play for each other and we want to, um, you know, Good teams are able to just, you know, you're able to look across the room and be able to count on that guy without even saying a, saying a word. So I think, uh, you know, that's the attitude we got to have and got to continue to try to play our best. How much easy was it to get over that game considering the very next night yet to play in Anaheim? Yeah, that, that's, that's nice about back-to-back sometimes. I mean, uh, you know, other times you, you don't look forward to it too much, but, you know, coming off a big loss, you get, uh, you know, some redemption the next night. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, Obviously made that loss a little uh, less bitter because you come back, you bounce back with two points, and then uh, you just got to continue to to think about what's ahead of you. It's easy for so many of us outside this locker room to almost kind of look past today's game and be like, okay, Winnipeg is the big game on Wednesday. How much easier is it for you guys to not look past tonight's game considering the stakes that are attached to tonight? Of course. I mean, we, uh, I mean, of course. You know the speculation, and everybody's going to be talking about that, and we we understand why. But you know, for us, we're looking no forward than you know the start of tonight's game. So uh, these are crucial points that we have to have against a, a gritty team, and uh, you know we uh, we certainly need it. Nazir Kadri doing the media arounds this morning, following morning skate, and that last line uh, certainly ringing true in all of the Flames. Uh, media fails today. These are two crucial points for the Calgary Flames to pick up against the reeling Blackhawks team that has lost eight in a row. Flames looking to make it nine in a row uh, as far as losses go for Chicago and extend their own winning streak to a season-long five games. Last uh, member of the Flames to hear from defenseman Nikita Zadorov. He'll be a key part of the Flames' decor and might have a different D partner if Chris Tanev does in fact return. Let's hear from Nikita following morning skate. Obviously, a huge set of games coming up here. What's your mindset heading into the first one here? Win the games. Okay. It's a, that's how simple it is. Mm-hmm. And what has to happen for you guys to, to win tonight? I mean, a lot of things. Good start. Play right away. I think um, I don't think we had a good start against Anaheim. We started kind of was uh, fighting back. Same thing against uh, Vancouver. I think we had a decent start against LA. So I think we're gonna clean it up what we haven't done in the past two games. What are some lessons you've taken from the last few times you've played against Chicago that you hope to apply today? Well, like I said, it's hard to play against a team who, on the bottom of the standings, they have nothing to lose. They have no system pretty much, so they're just kind of skating around, everybody on the same page, so it's kind of, uh, you know, like throw you out of the guard sometimes, you know, because when you play against good teams, they structure really well and you, you know what you expect from them. From Chicago, it's kind of a bit a little different today. So I think just, uh, I mean, overall look at it, we have enough experienced guys in this team who can close the games, we can play right away, so we just got to stick with it. What does getting Chris back do for this group on the back? Yeah, I mean, he's a big player for us. What does it mean for you guys knowing that you have Winnipeg coming up, but being in the moment and being able to be in the present, the focus on that for this team? Yeah, win the game. So we have a chance to fight against Winnipeg tomorrow. So that's the, our mindset. Like to at least stay in a fight, we need to win the game tonight, and then we're going to focus on tomorrow. 
everyone was celebrating the goal scorer the other night. I saw you go straight to McKenzie after his shot block. What, what did you say to him in that moment? Yeah, I told him to stop being soft. <laughs> so it's only shot block. <laughs> like he's laying on the ice, you know. Nah, I'm joking. It was a big play for us. I think it started attack and then Luch uh, finished it. So he got a deserve apple on that goal. So from the shin pad, can can make it normal one only shin pads one. <laughs> what's uh, allowed? You talk about just focusing on the next group game. What what has allowed the group to be able to keep the focus as short and as, as focused as it's been the last little bit? Well, I mean, there's five games left in the season, so uh, in the situation where we are right now, we can control what we can control. So that's our focus for sure. Like to go win the hockey games, we cannot control how Winnipeg is going to play, how Nashville is going to play. Or Seattle's gonna play with somebody else, right? So, I think for us it's just to focus on our hockey game, on our game, own game. Every guy has a focus on their um, individual game as well. So uh, that's the biggest thing. You mentioned obviously Chris being a big player for you guys. With, with everybody on the blue line back in action now, like what should be the identity of this defensive group with everybody there? Well, same identity as uh, before we had last year as well. Giving up less goals, less scoring chances. That's our job to defend. There you go. Big number 16, Nikita Zadorov speaking to the media at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. That's uh, the final media veil uh, following morning skate. You heard from Daryl Sutter. You heard from Chris Tanev, Nazem Kadri, and then, of course, Nikita Zadorov there to finish it off. And, yes, uh, big two points on the line tonight. Doesn't matter who the opponent is, as you heard from the Calgary Flames. Have to control their own destiny. Still trying to win out and make life as difficult as they can on the Winnipeg Jets, who we all know they will see tomorrow in Winnipeg for one of the biggest games of the season. Focus has to be on the Blackhawks tonight, and uh, that's what we'll do. Uh, Flames coverage starting, of course, Flames talk with Pat Steinberg goes at 4. Warm-up with Steinberg and Lubardius at 6 o'clock before puck drop at 7 right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan with Derek Wills and Peter Lubardius on the call. We will take a break, come back on the other side. One thing left to do on the program today, that's time to uh, look at the opposition. The Chicago Blackhawks have struggled down the stretch, but that's all part of the plan for a team looking to draft Connor Bedard, potentially if they could get the first overall pick. We'll check in with Ben Pope from the Chicago Suns-Times for uh, all the latest on Calgary's opponent tonight. That's coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, the fan. All right, Flames and Blackhawks tonight from the Scotiabank Saddledome. That's the storyline we're watching here on Sportsnet 960, of course, with all your Flames coverage getting going this afternoon. Flames talk with Pat Steinberg. Flames warm up with Labardius and Steinberg. And then, of course, the call of the Blackhawks and Flames belongs to Derek and Lou. Right here on Sportsnet 960, just after 7 o'clock, we've chatted with uh, Peter about all things Flames and Blackhawks heading into this one. We've heard from a couple members of the Calgary Flames, and uh, now for our uh, check-in on the opposition, our look at the opposition this afternoon, uh, the one man we always call on talking all things Chicago Blackhawks. Very happy to go down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon welcome in Ben Pope, covers the Blackhawks for the Chicago Sun-Times. Ben, thanks for doing this as always, man. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, happy to be here in Calgary for this one. Yeah, should be a good one tonight. Uh, looking forward to it. But uh, Blackhawks have actually dominated the season series against Calgary uh, in the two matchups prior to tonight. But the Blackhawks coming in obviously 
Don't have to tell you on an eight-game losing streak and looking to snap that tonight. Uh, what's the second half of the season been like for Chicago, a team that didn't have high expectations, sold off a couple of key pieces heading into the trade deadline, Ben, and have kind of been on this grind towards the end of the season for a while now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to sum up this whole season in just a few minutes. Um, obviously, the departure of Patrick Kane has had such a huge impact, and the absence of Jonathan Taves um, as well, but with him returning Saturday against the Devils, that was one of the bigger moments of the year for the Hawks, just to, to see him back in a jersey. I think a lot of fans and uh, even people within the organization weren't sure that would ever happen again um, when he had to step away. So uh, that was big, obviously. Um, they've had some encouraging stretches, some competitive stretches. Um, but yeah, the past few weeks have been been pretty rough on the results side but uh, for the long-term future of the franchise that's um, kind of a good thing uh, they've now fallen back into last place behind Columbus and Anaheim they're two points clear right now in last place so um, if they control their destiny from a, a tanking standpoint which is funny to say but <laughs> um, if they lose their last six games or even if they win one and, and get some help um, they'll enter the draft lottery with the highest odds and a guaranteed top three picks. So uh, that's really probably the most important thing going on right now, other than Taze's return here. But uh, that's obviously not what the players and the coaching staff are, are working for. They're, they're trying to snap this losing streak and uh, trying to improve, trying to get a win. So um, interesting conflict of rooting interest to, to follow there. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's what, that's where things stand. It's certainly been an interesting year. Can you sort of give us uh, an understanding of what it's been like for the organization since the Patrick Kane trade? I know things kind of went a different direction with Jonathan Taves dealing with long COVID and, you know, deciding that he was going to stick around with the organization past the trade deadline. But what was the expectation like when Kane was about to get traded? And I guess what's the fallout been since he did leave for New York? Yeah, I think uh, it was certainly up in the air. Um, whether he would give the green light to be traded or not. That was unknown for a very, very long time, uh, which was kind of the prerequisite for anything to happen. But, um, and it's not like he ever even really said officially that, that he was willing to be moved. But um, and I think it became clear a few weeks beforehand that he was very interested in the Rangers. And um, initially when they made the Tarasenko trade, um, it, it seemed like they were off the table. But uh, once it kind of reemerged that they might be able to squeeze them in, uh, it, it became clear that that's really where he wanted to go if he was going to go. So obviously that, that really limited the return the Blackhawks were able to get for him. But um, it sounded like they wanted to do right by him, get him to the team where he wanted to play and, and get him an opportunity to, to chase another Stanley Cup. And um, even talking to Taze about that recently, since he was kind of absent at that time, he was personally thinking that it wasn't going to happen, that the Kane wouldn't end up being traded just because he couldn't imagine it. But then when, when Kane left the, the Hawks trip out there in late February in San Jose to, to kind of await the trade, that's when it really sunk in that this was going to happen. And um, he, he joked that it's, it, he looks kind of good in the Rangers jersey, even though he hates to say that. So um, it's definitely weird, I think, uh, to, to not have him with the team and to see him playing elsewhere. But uh, it sounds like everyone, you know, is happy to, to see him having success and, um, they're just being reunited with, with our Tammy Panarin, a longtime old friend, and um, having the opportunity to play in meaningful games again, which obviously 
hasn't been the case the past few years in Chicago. So uh, it's definitely weird for sure, but um, it, it seems like at this point that it is what it is. We know, uh, obviously, through all those years in Chicago, Ben, that the Patrick Kane held so many key offensive, you know, versatility and usages for this Blackhawks team. I'm curious, from your point of view, if those have fallen on anyone else since he was traded, or has that opportunity fallen to a young player in the organization to see how they can take it? I know there's no direct replacing Patrick Kane, especially in a year when you're rebuilding. But I'm, I am curious, just looking at the team overall and when that kind of offensive presence leaves a team, has there been somebody in your mind that's stepped up and taken advantage of that opportunity? Well, they've had Lucas Reichel, who's their top kind of NHL-ready prospect, up a few times over the past couple of years to play with Kane, uh, but they've been mainly keeping him in the AHL, even though he was probably NHL-ready, just to kind of over-marinate there. That's been really their philosophy with all their prospects since Kyle Davidson took over as GM. But uh, after the Kane trade, Reichel was called up and has now had by far his longest NHL stint. He's been up more than a month consecutively now, continuously. Um, and and he's, he's been operating on the first line wing, and he's done a really good job with it. He's certainly proven that he was NHL ready and that he, he will be a, a very dangerous top six winger for this team um, for the long term. Um, he's averaged about a point per game. Uh, he's he's excellent with zone entries. That's that's probably the strongest suit of his game. But he also is a great skater, has a great shot, um, has good vision and and instincts. And he's learning to be a little bit more aggressive as he gets stronger as well. Um, so he's really been been the forward to watch since since Kane left because that opened up the opportunity for him. And um, so that's been that's been a bright spot for sure over the past month. From a, a Calgary perspective, obviously there's been a lot of talk heading into tonight's matchup about you know needing two points against a team that's as low in the standings as uh, Chicago is. But I guess the the secondary thing we've heard a lot today, Ben, is that you know this could be potentially the last time for Jonathan Taves coming through Calgary wearing uh, Chicago Blackhawks colors. Does it feel like Chicago is going through these last couple games uh, knowing that Taves is is likely to be elsewhere in the summer, or is that sort of still undecided from him? Well, it's it's really going to fall on him, um, and it sounds like he really does not know. Um, it, it seems like he has some some real doubt whether he'll continue playing at all, but it's not like he's officially made that decision yet or, or really come close to it, um, I think. But obviously the way he's struggled with his health over the past few months, um, just and the fact that this has gone on for two years now, really, since he took off the entire 2021 no fans season um, where he's just battling fatigue and pain and inflammation and um, lack of energy and stamina. Um, And the fact that even after all this time, it flared up so badly again this spring, even though it has improved over the past few months, that really does cast out on his ability to to continue playing beyond this season, um, which obviously also aligns with the expiration of his contract. Um, so it sounds like it, that's something he, that he'll figure out this summer based on how he's feeling and how he's recovering, um, whether he thinks it's possible for him to come back next season, be it with the Hawks or somewhere else. Um, but it, I think at this point, the odds are probably that um, it's more likely than not that he will retire, even though there's nothing conclusive on that front. And obviously, if he does come back, it's 
um, there's no guarantee that the Blackhawks will re-sign him, considering kind of how emphatically they seem to want to turn the page on their previous era and um, lean into the rebuild. So, um, yeah, lots up in the air with, with that, but uh, certainly I think uh, the odds are very high that this is his last visit to Calgary in a Blackhawks uniform and um, one of his last games is second to last week in a Blackhawks uniform. Uh, ben, one of your latest up at the Chicago SunTimes.com is uh, the Blackhawks going through this last stretch of the season with an overcrowded defensive core. I'm curious from your perspective uh, if you see this as really a big tryout for a lot of guys heading into next season. And I guess if this is is that situation, how Luke Richardson handles it, do you see this as a an opportunity for some guys that are pushing for jobs next season over these next couple games for Chicago? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the two guys who are going to be long-term pieces um, past the rebuild um, that are up right now as far as the defensemen are, are Alex Vlasic and Wyatt Kaiser. Um, Kaiser signed a few weeks ago out of Minnesota Duluth. Um, he's a, a great puck mover, um, a good skater, um, leans a little bit more offensive. Um, Alex Vlasic uh, signed last year at a BU and has spent most of this year in the AHL, but um, is up right now and uh, he's a huge guy. He's six six. Uh, he's um, he's defensive, but he can skate pretty well for his for his size. He'll he'll probably be more of a shutdown shut shutdown guy long term. Um, but but certainly those two guys, Vlasic and Kaiser, are the really interesting guys to watch considering their youth and and their potential moving forward. But even for for depth pieces like Andreas England and. Um, Ian Mitchell um, and Jared Tenorti, this, this is certainly an important stretch for them also to, to try to earn um, contracts as they approach free agency. From a forward perspective, obviously Jonathan Taves is the big UFA name in there, but when you talk about the likes of Andreas Athanasiu, Jujar uh, Kara as the big UFAs that have played regularly for this team, have either one of them in your mind impressed enough to, to look at re-signing if you were the Blackhawks this offseason? Well, they've they obviously moved a couple of their free agents um, already. Max Domi being um, one, and I think it's possible for not to get too off topic, but I think it's possible they will try to bring back Domi even even though he's in Dallas right now. He, okay, he really made a, a really good impression um, earlier this season, so he's like kind of even a, a de facto Blackhawk <laughs> free agent, even though he's not on the team right now. Um, they just wanted to get a, a pick back for him and let him play in the playoffs, but after the CU too, I think it's certainly possible that he gets brought back. Um, he, he's really well known for his speed. He's probably one of the top five or 10 fastest players in the league. And that has been absolutely the MO of what the Blackhawks are looking for in terms of what they want to build is um, the speed. So he does fit that there's, there's some defensive shortcomings in this game and his finishing probably doesn't match up quite with his legs, but, um, he's, he's had a solid season. He's, he's met expectations, and I think it's definitely possible that he's also brought back. He's, he's in the first line right now as well with Taze and, and Lucas Reichel. So those are really the, the three guys driving the offense at this point. Our look at the opposition today coming courtesy of Ben Pope, uh, covers the Blackhawks for the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, he's joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. I know it's always up in the air when the offseason hasn't begun yet, Ben, and especially for this Blackhawks team, uh, not knowing where you're going to draft, and it could be such a huge moment for this organization. But as you start to look ahead towards the offseason, is there a priority list 
for this group that's starting to become clear, whether it's goaltending, defensive depth, is it a little bit of everything for this group as you start to prepare for what should be a key offseason during this rebuild? Well, I think it depends so much on the draft lottery. Yeah. Um, if they get if they get the number one pick, if they're going to have Bedard, I think they're going to, to try a lot harder to form a, a pretty competitive team for next season. If they fall down to the third or fourth pick and have somebody like Leo Carlson or Matt Bamichkov um, in line to be selected, somebody who probably won't be in the NHL next year or won't be an impact player if they are, um, I think then they'll, they'll probably not try as hard to bring in um, free agents to, to bolster this group. I think maybe they wouldn't tank so explicitly again, but it would definitely be another year near the bottom of the standings. Um, so it really depends a lot on, on May 8th and, and what the outcome is of that day and then how the draft is looking up. Um, I, I think either way, though, it's not like they're going to be trying to really form a really like structured roster and fill holes and free agency and that sort of thing. It's, it's still going to be definitely a lot of young guys coming up and then just sort of placeholders um, brought in to, to, to fill, fill roles as warm bodies um, in the short term. It's not like they're going to be making any big splashes or um, anything like that. But I think we will probably see more players starting to move up of prospects at the moment starting to move up into the NHL next year. They really haven't done a ton of that this season, um, especially before the past month. Um, so it's, it's really going to be more about finding places for those guys to graduate into and um, making sure that there's playing time available for them um, while still getting to the salary cap floor because with Taves um, and Kane's contracts coming off, uh, they, they're going to have to spend some money somewhere just to, to, to get to the minimum. So uh, it's going to be more on those kind of factors than like bringing in free agents to really make an impact and, and try to contend. Uh, how would you evaluate uh, Luke Richardson in his uh, season for the Blackhawks? I know it's it's one of those tough ones where you're not really bound by wins and losses, how we traditionally evaluate coaches. It's kind of been more of a you know player development role, filling in the holes here and there for Luke Richardson, not really a traditional season by any means for a head coach. But how would you look at the job that he's done so far this year with the Blackhawks? I think Richardson's been fantastic. Um, I don't think it possibly could have gone better. He's been extremely well-liked around every part of the organization. He's done a really good job. The funny thing is, as you're saying, obviously you, he was never going to really be judged on wins and losses this season, but he's really there's not been too much judging to do on player development either, at least in terms of prospects and young guys, because they really haven't had that many i think they've had a, an above average by average age roster this year it's really been more about a the systems he's put in um, because that was a, a big issue under jeremy colleton was sort of the inflexibility with systems and how, trying to play a certain style and tactics that didn't fit the team and richardson has has made all the right choices on that front and been really transparent about it too about the the kind of tactics and, and systems and strategies he's installing and um, why they make sense for this team and um, why they will moving forward. So I think that's been a really encouraging sign. That's, that's been probably his biggest priority was just to create that foundation. And then secondly, just the culture in the locker room 
around the rink uh, on the ice with communication and on the bench. Um, that was the other main priority, and he's done a really good job with that too, uh, keeping the mood light and um, uh, an atmosphere of improvement and, and hard work, even when there hasn't been a lot of validation on the scoreboard for that. So those are the, the two main areas that he's really succeeded in, and those were the two main areas where he could have succeeded. So um, I don't think it really could have gone any better for him, even though they are in last place. Uh, ben, just before we let you go, I always like doing this with uh, guys that cover their teams on a regular basis. Is there somebody on this Blackhawks team right now you feel deserves a little bit of recognition or somebody for Flames fans and Calgarians to watch for tonight on this Blackhawks team that maybe we didn't mention outside of the, the big names, obviously Taves, Seth Jones, those guys get the attention on the day-to-day, but is there somebody maybe a little under the radar that's caught your eye late in the season for the Blackhawks? Well, goaltender Alex Stalock is kind of the obvious choice. Um, Considering all he's overcome, coming back from myocarditis caused by COVID and then concussion and ocular problems created by that, um, to have a really solid season after not playing basically any NHL games over the past two years has been a a really bright story. And uh, he's been a great guy off the ice too. So he's really... Uh, maybe one guy that's flown under the radar that deserves recognition. Unfortunately, he's not starting tonight, so um, he won't be he won't be playing unless something unexpected happens. It looks like Peter Morazic is getting the start tonight. But um, outside of that, I think Jason Dickinson, uh, center they brought in from Vancouver uh, at the start of the year um, in training camp, um, has had a really good season, taking a big step forward. He's already set his career high in points by by quite a few, and he's also had a really strong impact in terms of leadership in the locker room um, and assumed a bigger role than he ever had in his career up to this point. He's been the second-line center for a while now. So um, with Salak not playing, uh, Dickinson is probably the guy I would I would bring up. Awesome. Appreciate that a lot. Uh, appreciate the time, as always, Ben. Thanks for joining us on a game day. Uh, you can find Ben on Twitter for all of his coverage uh, around the Blackhawks. Enjoy the game tonight, man. We'll chat with you again sometime as the offseason uh, gets underway, I'm sure. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Ben Pope joining us uh, covers the Blackhawks for the Chicago Sun-Times for our look at the opposition today here on Sportsnet today. Flames and Blackhawks coming your way from the Scotiabank Saddledome, the final of three meetings uh, between these two teams. Flames looking to win their fifth in a row. Blackhawks kind of maybe sort of looking to win and, and end their eight-game losing streak, as Ben mentioned. This is kind of those weird situations, Taylor. Um, this doesn't make any sense for the players, and I know you can never, Luke Richardson or Jonathan Taves, they're never going to say it, but losing eight in a row at this time of year is perfect if you want Connor Bedard. You just can't say that. You Again, like we've kind of heard whenever somebody says they're tanking is players and coaches don't tank, but the general managers or front offices, they have the plans to do it. Oh, for sure, right? You, you sell off all of your UFAs that you possibly can. Chicago, like Ben mentioned there too, not really bringing up all of their NHL-ready prospects. They've kind of been slower doing that. I don't think that's by accident. Like I don't think Lucas Reichel um, only playing in 20 games this year is an accident. As he's mentioned, he's had great American Hockey League numbers. He's at 46 points in 51 AHL games, and he's been in uh, the A. He was last year, I think, over a point per game there. So he's more than ready 
for an opportunity with this Chicago team at 20 years old. But when you're kind of more concerned with losing, you go, oh, well, we'll bring him up when we can. He'll get some time later on in the season. And yeah, technically, all things considered, losing eight in a row, maybe nine in a row if they lose to Calgary tonight, wouldn't be the worst thing if you're a Blackhawks fan. And wouldn't it be something for them to transition right out of Kane and Taves, potentially into Connor Bedard? Uh, I know a lot of people in Chicago would really like to see that happen. We'll see uh, how the rest of the year works out for the Blackhawks. But for the Flames, it's an absolute need two points tonight. In case you missed it from morning skate, Jacob Markstrom will get your start tonight in uh, goal for Calgary and is expected to get the start tomorrow in Winnipeg. Uh, Chris Tanev skating on a pairing with Noah Hannafin, expected to be back in the lineup. He is a game-time decision. Head coach Daryl Sutter saying that the decision will lie with Chris Tanev, so we are expecting him to be back in the Flames' decor for a key game tonight against Chicago. Thank you for tuning into the show today. we got to get out of here. Uh, the uber-talented Haley Salvian is coming up next with Hockey Central 960. You don't want to miss uh, a great hour with Haley coming up, but thank you uh, for texting in at 960-960. Thank you to our guest, Ben Pope uh, of the Chicago Sun-Times. Peter Labardi is joining us. Uh, as well, and of course, uh, Big Nazar on a Tuesday. All of this available for you wherever you get your podcast: Google, Amazon, Spotify, your favorite podcasters. The pods go up literally minutes after the hours finish up, and you can catch it all right here live on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We got to get out of here. Haley Salvian's coming up next. Hockey PDO cast this afternoon, and your Flames coverage starts at 4 o'clock with Flames Talk and Pat Steinberg. We will be back tomorrow to break it all down and get set for the Flames and the Jets. Have a great afternoon. Thanks for listening. This is Sportsnet 960, The Fan.